0: she was always in the locker room with the players, and she really participated with us and always had this up personality, never negative. She was
1: just normal. Uh, She loved, loved women's golf and loved bringing her friends to have more exposure around women's golf. Just because of her, the tournament got more PR than just a normal tournament would. You gonna watch?
0: I am going to watch.
1: Well, watch this. They were on the Hughes Broadcast Network the first year.
0: And really, the only other tournament the LPGA players were in that was televised was the U.S. Women's Open. And so to actually see the women play
1: was a very big deal.
0: Kathy Whitworth has won the richest tournament in ladies golf, the Colgate Dinosaur Winners Circle. I think the biggest thing about that first tournament, other than the fact that it was on national television for the first time, was that Colgate put a purse up of $110,000. There were 30 other tournaments on the LPGA that first year. 26 of them had purses of under $30,000. So a $110,000 purse was massive.
1: The Colgate Dinosaur was the LPGA's only $100,000 purse in 1972. By 1983, once it became an official major, the tournament's prize money nearly quadrupled. Other LPGA tournaments soon followed their lead, all to the benefit of the players.
0: All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Triple G Gingers Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger, and we are excited to record here tonight on a busy week here in the world of golf. A lot going on as we uh, as we continue to focus this podcast in on the world of golf and everything that's happening and specifically on the uh the LPGA and the PGA tours. It is major week and we are kicking off the major season in the world of golf with the Chevron Championship at Rancho Mirage, California at Mission Hills Country Club for the Chevron Championship. No better way. This is the uh the, the inaugural um major of the 2022 season. And we follow it up next week with the Masters at Augusta National. But um, 115 of the best ladies on the LPGA Tour will be out there. 10 past champions, 29 major winners, 5 amateurs, and uh, a couple firsts out there for the ladies. First uh, major championship since 1999 without Christy Kerr. But we'll get into all of that. We've got Beth Ann Mickles joining us live from Mission Hills Country Club this week. Uh, senior writer for GolfWeek.com, LPG. LPGA Tour expert, she'll she'll, uh, she'll give us an update on all the happenings out there, the feelings, the golf course, what's happening, and some uh, pretty special events and and some send-offs to uh, some special people out there on the LPGA Tour. When we get back from uh, talking with Beth Ann Nichols, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods and the Masters, Scotty Scheffler and the Dell uh, Technologies uh, World Golf Championship last week. We'll have our picks for not only the Chevron Championship, But the Valero Texas Open, for those following us along on social media, they've already seen those picks. But we'll go through some of the stats and some of the in-depth detail in case uh, you were questioning our thoughts on some of those picks. We'll kick it off the break, and when we get back from break, we will come back with uh, the NFL's annual uh, owners' meetings, what's happened there, some of the rules changes, some of the things that have happened, some of the announcements, a few more signings along the way, and some grumblings of more to come in the NFL. But uh, that's kind of the setup. Folks, make sure you're joining us again next week for our annual Masters Preview Show. That'll be the third straight year that we're going to uh, have some a great guest list. We've got you and Porter on all the way from Australia joining us next week to help us preview and more uh, to help us preview Augusta National and the uh, 2022 Masters. But without further ado, that's going to be next week's show. Make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Yes, we will get the YouTube page up and running. Uh, for those that know me well, it has not fallen by the wayside, but i uh, been pretty busy here uh, with the birth of my second daughter, Ella Aurora Kerr. Um, I call her the baby 10-pounder, 10, 10 pounds even across the board, born uh, just about a month ago now. So it's been a busy month. But that has not fallen by the wayside. We will flip this uh, podcast over to video here real soon, and as well, keep your eyes out for upcoming contests. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but we've got some great go- uh, golf prizes that we're uh, we're get- going to be giving away, and uh, some NFL prizes. Just trying to lock those down. So with one of our local sponsors. So make sure you're staying tuned on all the social media fronts for that. But we might as well kick it off. No better way than to go live from the Chevron Championship with Beck, Beth Ann Nichols. Let's bring her in. All right, Triple G listeners, she's back again, live from another major championship. Senior writer for golfweek.com, LPGA expert, Beth Ann Nichols, live from the Chevron Championship in uh, Rancho Mirage, California. Beth Ann, welcome to the show, and, and how's, how are things going out there?
1: Well it's picture perfect as you'd expect it to be Raj <laughs> and uh, not too not you know a, a nice little breeze. I wish I was playing golf.
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh, I checked the forecast this morning when uh when I was looking at uh some some of my notes for the uh, for the event and it looks absolutely perfect all week uh, all week long for the ladies so they're they'll be in good shape for sure.
1: Yes, and I, you know, it's appropriate for the final lap around here that it that it be picture perfect. It's just what you want, right?
0: <laughs> that's exactly it, and, and that's a that's a great place to uh, to start, and What's what is the feel like? Because you know what, it, this is a special week not only for for Chevron and the LPGA Tour, but it's it's a, a special week for for ladies golf. It's the first major in golf uh, of the year, and it's also you know the the Augusta National Women's uh, amateur event happening um you know at, at the at Augusta the final round will happen on on April 2nd so it's a big week for ladies golf overall what's the feeling like on site there is it a little bit bittersweet in terms of like you said it's the last time around um the golf course here at the diamond shore golf course um in Rancho mirage at mission hills or is it are they excited that you know the purses are up and ladies golf has never been in a better spot
1: I, I think it depends on on who you talk to <laughs> if you if you've played a lot around here and you're you know you you're a past champion and you you know you've spent years of your career here it's definitely bittersweet. and you know an appreciation and an understanding of of um, it yes, certainly is felt by the vast majority of the tour but there are some young faces and and you know that are you know, this is all very new to them, so you know they they might need to Google Dinah Shore and 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 figure out a little bit of of what this tournament was really all about. But ultimately, you, you know, know, you're right. right. They they're looking ahead to to a bigger purse, to you know the promise of more and network television and uh, moving away from the Augusta National date uh, to to maximize exposure for this event. So. Uh, there are a lot of pluses. Blue chip sponsor like Chevron, a back or you know is a big signal to other, uh, other Fortune 500 companies that that this is a tour worth investing in.
0: Yeah, there's there's <coughs> part me, there's no doubt about that, <coughs> no doubt about that. Um, Judy Rankin, she's gonna now step away from. Um, a full-time position in terms of, of commentary. How is, uh, how's the feel around Judy in terms of the, the existing players? Like you said, some of the players that have been around uh, the tour for a long time and know her quite well. Um, and what's the feeling with her? And how important was she to this tour?
1: You know, I, I don't think it can be overstated how important Judy has been to the LPGA, both as a player as a, as a mom, every, every one of her, of her titles came, uh, after giving birth to her son, too. We, you know, it's a, a, a remarkable statistic. Um, you know, uh, you know, when I look at, at Judy, the announcer, um, you know, she was a pioneer in, in television in terms of what, what she did on the men's side weekend and week out covered so much a tiger. Uh, and then coming over to the women's side and, and that, that reassuring voice that uh, you know is 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 going to tell it straight, but but in a kind way. You know, players appreciated uh, the way Judy you know told the truth. Right? <laughs> she she told it in love, and uh, and and they appreciated that she she respected you know what they were trying to do and the difficulty of what they were trying to do because she'd been there herself. And you know, she just is such a a, a strong figure and such a light in this game, and will be sorely missed on so many levels uh, she'll still be around four or five times a year uh you know doing doing some events but as far as like you know being the main host you know and at big events you know we'll, we'll see Morgan Pressel in the booth 18 to 20 times this year
0: yeah she, she's gonna kind of be the, the main replacement or, or takeover for for Judy and and you're right yeah. it's you know you read stories from uh Terry Gannon and other you know co-workers and and people that have crossed paths with with Judy and just how sincere and how open and, and honest and human she was in terms of, you know, a great story you hear from Terry is every single round before every single broadcast, it was a race to the booth because she would be stopped by fans and signing autographs or just having a chat with, you know, young up and coming lady junior golfers or whoever it may be. Um, so just to be that open and candid and, and that human is something that is, is definitely going to be missed, no doubt.
1: And, and, the, and the one thing I will say, too, about Judy is, you know, she came on the tour as a teenager, as a 17-year-old. So she understands what a lot of these phenoms that have become such, you know, huge stars on the LPGA so early, she's she's walked in those shoes, you know. So she's she's experienced, you know, so much, you know, at, at every level of what, you know, the stars of the LPGA has, has have faced. But from a fan perspective, you know, as you say, you know, you feel for so many years and like she was a personal friend <laughs> you know and I think that uh I think that's why, why fans connected so much with Judy you know feeling like you know if, if I got a chance to meet her in real life I think we'd be friends and uh and that was part of my story and I said I, I think they're probably right because you know Judy Judy's friend a friend to all
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's no doubt about that um Lorena Ochoa um, big announcement from her and you you've wrote about it at, uh, at golfweek.com if you uh, listeners have the opportunity to check that out please do um, they, the LPGA's waived the 10-year requirement for Lorena and others uh, some of the other founders of the LPGA tour how important was that to the tour to Lorena to just everything in terms of the LPGA Hall of Fame
1: well you know for starters I don't I don't think you, you know, we wouldn't have a tour without the founders and, and, you know, eight of the 13 founders were, were not in the hall of fame. So they're, they're now in as honorary members. It certainly was the right thing to do completely, um, long overdue. I think something, a lot of people, including myself, you know, for a long time, just assumed they were in there <laughs> and then when you realize, oh, wow, the vast majority of them aren't, this needs to be changed. Uh, so that seemed very common sense. In terms of the ten-year rule, you know Lorena Ochoa, you know, amassed enough points and accolades to qualify, you know, in, in seven years. So, you know, it, it just seemed like a gross injustice that the fact that she would need to start another chapter of her life as a mother, the tour would would take away from the honor of being in the Hall of Fame, Fame, given that she has no doubt had a Hall of Fame career and been everything you know you would want in a star for the tour and and that that rule was originally put in place to keep the stars on tour so that someone wouldn't come out and and you know blitz <clears throat> the tour and then go back to Japan or Europe or, or Korea or wherever they're from and 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 kind of leave the tour high and dry and you know we saw Annika leave the game in 2008 and Lorena leave the game in 2010 and at a time when the tour was, was in, in crisis in terms of the number of events in terms of the economy and the tour survived, you know, and the tour's doing, doing really well right now. So I think when you, if you can, if you can take losing Lorena and Annika in a short time span, you know, then, then you don't need any more proof that that rule needs to be done away with.
0: Mm -hmm. No, there's no doubt about that. And you mentioned that uh, the tour in terms of, the time frame in 08 and, and 2010 when, when those stars left the game, you know, speak more to where the tour is now, Bethann, in terms of the amount of stars in the great mixture of, of, you know, ladies that have been out there for a few years, like a, like a Brooke Henderson and some of the quarter twins to some of the, the young up and coming stars, including last week's star that, that goes ahead and wins it uh, last week at, uh, at the JTB uh, classic, you know, is is this tour ever been in as good a shape in as it is right now
1: well certainly to to, in terms of talent it's 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 definitely never been this deep uh you know as you say you know stars from around the globe you know who um you know you you look down the list of tee times and you know i i would i would venture to say you can go deeper now in terms of who might win than than ever before but and you know as far as as having you know, Jen the number one player in the world, is definitely the player that you know you look to as the one to win this week because she's been so remarkably consistent and and you know the the streak in, of under par rounds, the streak of rounds in the 60s, you know that, that just recently like, to the tour record. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Jen and you you think is she, she going to have an Annika like career? Is she is she that good? You know and and so, you know, there, there's a lot to be excited about. Unfortunately, Nellie's not here uh, due to the blood clot um, diagnosis right. in, in her arm. So that was that's a that's a obviously health comes first. But that's a big blow to the tournament because those two haven't been in the same field yet this year. So you really wanted to see, you know, wanted to uh, battle it out. But the yeah, Abra Kenderson has started out. Uh, she hasn't won, but outside of winning, seemingly has done everything else. Wow. Uh, Weekend, week out, uh, you know, uh, lost in a year. She was with Nellie to, to Miriam Lee uh, a few years ago in 2020. Uh, her lane, uh, placed on an advantage at, at a, and, and her strength. So, uh, you know, a lot to be expected. I definitely think, you know, that, that the PGA look at particularly the main governing body support now backing the big events and really pushing the purses and, and the RNA and, and AIG and, and the PGA with KPMG and, and, the, and the USGA obviously um, racking up the, the purse to, to $10 million on, on the US Women's Open. Uh, those are all, you know, massive, massive wins. LPGA and and so now that now the, the the next piece of the puzzle is getting all these other tournaments that have been with their purses you know haven't really seen you know big increases and you know in a week to week to start moving the needle that that's that's where the focus you know turns next.
0: Yeah, for sure. On to on to this weekend and the golf course and and the setup. Are we going to see another? A, you know, birdie barrage and another shootout, and you know, a Brittany Linsacomb type finish in, in 2009 with the Eagle and, and the birdies. You look at the last kind of three years, it's been, you know, both been double digits under par, you know, as high as minus 18. Um, do you foresee that happening again this week, or how do you see, you know, this golf course challenging uh, the ladies?
1: Well, you know, I definitely think the rough is going to be a challenge, but, you know, it's not like we're going to see crazy wind or anything, you know. And so, it's, from what I can tell so far, um, it seems like, you know, it, it should be scoring. The 18th is a little different uh, in that, you know, they're, they're, last year there's no wall. There's nothing about going about what scenario they it needs to be yardage, the the perfect lie, the perfect conditions, you know, and, and the weather, the perfect scenario. So, um, you know, I think you'll see a lot, a lot fewer players, you know, going nine and two. But in the right circumstances, when it's 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 the only the only play to get it done, um, you know, brings out the drama. So I'm I'm hoping we get that on Sunday that somebody's forced to go for it. <laughs>
0: perfect well one more question before we let you go here Bethan. what are you looking forward to most this week is it is it the you know some of the goodbyes and the the you know the run around memory lane with with a lot of the the girls and and people that have been around there for the for the 50 years um, that the event's been there or is it the look forward to the future um, type of feel
1: I, I you know honestly I I I'm having a hard time right now because I'm just looking at Sunday. So I'm I'm so excited about what I think will be a goosebump moment, you know, the final leap of these ponds. You know, will it will it be a first timer? Will it be someone like Betsy Thompson who, you know, we feel like is owed one <laughs> you know, you know, what what kind of, you know, you know, Hollywood esque type ending could we could we have because it seems like that's what this place deserves, um, given given its history and what and what the Dinosaur Tournament course and david foster and you know cole gave home of what what they've meant to to this tour so um you know I, i'm i i can't look too much ahead to texas yet because i'm so excited be yeah, an emotional and special finish
0: Wow, uh, that's great bethann thanks again for uh for coming on and joining us i know this is the second time you've been with us on a a major week and help us preview and shine the spotlight on on what you like. You said what should be a a very very special week for for golf for ladies golf across the board. And uh, I know I'm looking forward to it, and I hope uh, the rest of the world as well. And uh, have a great week out there in, in California and enjoy yourself.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I always fun.
0: <laughs> Amazing, thank you, and enjoy. It's was a pleasure talking with Beth Ann, um, talking about Judy Rankin. Uh Beth Ann's the same way, just honest, sincere, real kind, uh down-to-earth, heartful person. So uh she's very gracious with her time. That's back-to-back time. She's joined us live from California. First time for the uh the ladies' US Open, which Yucasaso won. And then um this week, what a special week for uh for the ladies. Listen, Beth Ann made a mention to it that you know, yes, the purse is up from 3.4 million to five million dollars. The LPJ Tour has never been in a stronger position in terms of young superstars coming up along the way. Jin Young-Ko, um, Thitical from last week. Um, the, the list goes on and on and on. Patty Tavitanic, uh, Brooke Henderson is still fairly young. But she's also in that group that's been out on the tour now for four, five, six years, the quarter twins. So the tour to me... Uh, Lexi Thompson is still in her, in her prime. So the tour to me has never been in a in a stronger position in terms of withstanding um an injury or somebody having to leave the tour for uh, numerous years or for numerous different reasons whatever whatever they may be that come down um the next star to me is just about to um is going to step up and and I think week in and week out on the LPGA tour they show that and and it's ultra important that uh that this continue this tour continues to to shine and to be given the spotlight to shine and the chevron championship um yes it will be moving away next year to texas and to a different venue but um you know i would recommend that everybody tune in this week because i think it's a special week from all the way back from the, from the Shore, if you haven't had an opportunity back in 1972 to see the how this event was created and, and this, the spotlight that would shine because of Shore on this event to where it is now and to end it off, I think I think the ladies out on the tour really have a good feel and indication of how special this would be to be able to be that last name on the trophy. Or on that board at, at uh in Rancho Mirage at Mission Hills um Country Club on that wall, the Dinosaur Wall. Or to be able to take the last like like Beth Ann Nichols said, to be able to take the last jump into Poppy's pond. I think the the, the girls know on tour how special that would be and how much that means to, to a lot of 'em. Young or or you know, young or old, you know, for lack of a better term. Um I think they know how special this week is uh Lorena Ochoa was on site. We talked about how it's the last week for Judy Rankin and and what she meant to the tour. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh goodbyes, a lot of tears, but I think when it comes down to it, you know, these ladies really want to be that that last name on there and and I think the golf course is is going to show up and show out. We, you know, we if you follow the LPGA tour, you know this golf course. It's it's a the conditions are going to be perfect. It's a birdie, birdie barrage type of golf course. We we, you know, consistently see minus fourteen to minus eighteen. You know, if the wind gets up or if we get a couple cool mornings, you know, cool California mornings, which can happen around this time of year, you, you might get a minus ten. But you know, Beth mentioned that the roughs up and it's a little bit juicy. But you know, these ladies are gonna they're gonna be able to score around this golf course. And, you know, there's there's tons of opportunities to, to make birdies. It's a flat golf course. The conditions look perfect. I, I suspect to see, you know, minus 12 to minus 18 without without a shadow of a doubt, whether the rough is up or, or not. I think these ladies are that dialed in and, and they're that good. To me, it's it comes down to um, Bethann Mich- Nichols made mention of it. It, it. it has become, it's a little bit of a longer golf course playing at 6,800, so With a little bit of distance comes a little bit of advantage. And I think you're going to see the Bombers kind of come to the top of the leaderboard here. We've got a couple picks on our end that we're going to make here uh, for the Chevron, as we always do on any major championship week, senior tour, LPGA tour. And uh, we'll start with our big gun. And how could you not? Um, Two force, two other top tens. Uh, T11 or T12, she's been absolutely phenomenal. She was in a playoff, uh, Bethan mentioned it, she was in a playoff in 2020, um, T2nd, T17 in 2019, T19 last year, so she's always up and around, her game's sharp. The only real question mark this week for Brooke Henderson at 14-1 to is the driver, is the 46-inch driver, and, and has she found a, a driver comfortable enough for her that she's not going to lose a whole lot of distance. She can still get in the fairway um, because she's so used to the, that 48-inch driver choking down on it, and she's played that shot and, and played that driver for so many years out on the tour. So this being the first week, um, it'll be interesting to see how she how she feels with that, that new club in the bag. Um, does she still choke down on it two inches and make it 44, or is she gripping all the way up on it? So... Uh, something to keep an eye on with Brooke, but I don't think that's going to affect her too much. I think she knows the the magnitude of this event. I think she's been out on the tour enough. She wants to put her name on this trophy, get another major championship. And I think her game is prime and ready to go. I think you're going to see Brooke Henderson um, up there for sure this week inside the top 10, if not inside the winner's circle. And my second one is Daniel Kang. 22-1. Uh, to 1. I think that's great value here um 2019 she was t6 2020 t11 and 2021 she was 13th outright she's played well um across overseas she was t9 t8 at the hsbc and t8 at in thailand uh t42 last week with a second round of 74 so struggled a little bit in the second round but uh, outside of that round you know you you drop a few strokes off that round she's right there again so her game is prime and ready to go um She's played well around this golf course. I think Brooks Henderson, Brooke Henderson, and Daniel Kang. Listen, I don't see somebody coming from back in the pack in this event. Um, this is a big name event with big names on the tro- that have been on the trophy and on the past champions trophy. And I think there'll be a big name that this trophy is handed out to this week. I don't think you're going to see um, somebody from the back of the pack, an unknown lady, uh, come through here and uh, take down this trophy, but. Folks, it's on the golf channel all week, 12 to four Thursday and Friday picks back up in the nighttime as well. And then Saturday, I believe it's on, um, 5 PM till 8 PM on Saturday and Sunday. So perfect time. Um, after you've uh, kicked off a little bit of Valero, Texas open coverage, pick up the ladies for the final two rounds of the Chevron championship, have a nice send off of mission Hills and this event before they move on to a new venue. So, uh, Thanks again to Beth Bethann Nichols for joining us. Great preview for the first major of the year. Excited to mo- move on to our Masters preview show next week. And let's talk a little bit about the Masters and uh, what we know. Uh, still 91 players in the field. The Valero Texas Open will hand out the last entry into the 2022 Masters to make the field an even. 92 pe- 92 golfers. And there's one name on that list that everybody wants to know what is happening. And he just happened to uh, take a plane ride up to Augusta National yesterday and play a practice round with his son, Charlie, and uh, Justin Thomas. You may not believe it, but I think Tiger Woods is playing the 2022 Masters. Listen, you don't go up there. And and do something like that if there's absolutely no chance of you playing in the Masters. Now you may say, "Well, Ginger, that's a that's a pretty ob- obvious statement." But you look at Tiger Woods when he does he he just says, he doesn't just do things like this for no reason. If if there if there is just an inkling of doubt whether he can tee it up or he can um, if there's no shot in his mind that he can win or compete he's not going to make that trip he's not going to make that trip he's going to take those days and he's going to continue his rehab and he's going to work that way there's a, there's a real good opportunity that he's going to play and I, and I think he's going to play because of that because because he made that trip and it and it means that much to him and and here's my thoughts on it if it's one day, if it's Thursday at Augusta and it's 18 holes and it's a 78 or a 79 or an 81 or a 74, for for all I, I I truly don't care what it is. To me, it's a success because he's going to come up, he's going to be involved in the Champions Tour dinner, he's going to be involved in the Par 3 competition, probably with Charlie on the bag. Um... And he's gonna go out and play. If it's thirty-six holes, even better. If he misses the cut, do I think he's gonna make the cut? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the leg's quite there yet. He said it himself. Unless he's got some of that distance back, the combination of lack of distance, which we've seen Augusta lengthen the golf course out over the last ten years, fifteen years, and the the leg not being at a hundred percent, I don't think he's gonna make the cut. Would I bet against it? Not a chance in hell. I would never bet against Tiger Woods. He's proved so many of us wrong so many times that I've learned my lesson. It's like betting against Tom Brady. But um, either or of those is a success and it's a win-win for me. And then you get to the, the grandest stages of them all is that he is healthy and able enough and playing well enough to make the cut and successfully play all four events. Now we're cooking with oil. Uh, now we've got a story for the 2022 season as to, um, you know, Tiger Woods, what's your schedule going to be like? Where are we going to see you next? How can we gear you up for the PGA or the next major? Because that's what this is all about. It's about two things. It's about breaking the PGA Tour win record, getting one more, and another major. Or or two. Or three. And, and you may laugh now, but... If it's not about that, then then why is he putting all of this work in to come back? And to me, he become he's dangerous. He's at that danger point in his career right now because he's in my mind he's he's at ease and he's at peace with all of these records, right? The PJ tour win record might be the only one that may bite him. But to me, at 15 majors Second place to Jack all time. I, I, I truly believe that Tiger's at peace with that. And and the comeback and, and his legacy and his story and, and all the ups and downs and goods and bads that we've seen um, since his emergence in the, uh, the mid to late 90s. I think he's at peace with it. And to me, that makes him dangerous because now it's just about going out and, and searching out that victory. And, and you're playing with house money. It's like he's in Vegas and he's just want gone on a heater and he's and he's playing with house money now. And if he gets a little bit of confidence in him, look out. Look out because I think he could win a major or two. And and I I, I think he won't stop until he gets that PJ tour victor. I think he wants that record. I think that's the one he's looking at right now to break that all time record. And then, uh, and then, really focus in. He, he focus in on the majors, but I think that's the one that's biting him a little bit right now. I think that's the one he wants, and the, any major is, is gravy on top. Augusta National, we get a little sneak preview that today from Ryan Lavender, Rory McElroy, About a couple small changes. Uh, by the sounds of it, we've got new greens on three, thirteen, and seventeen. So excited to see um, what the changes are there in terms of um, any slope um, differentials. Slope differentials in terms of what was already existing on the golf course. Um, the third green, especially as to um, slopes around the greens and green complexes. And then changes on 11 and 15. I know the change on 11 is the T the deck. They brought the T deck back and I believe to the right, closer to uh, the 10th green, making it a little bit more of a traditional dog leg. And it actually makes the fairway a little bit wider um, as to where the hitting zone is. And then the 15th, I'm not too sure. I think there might be a new T deck there as well. But uh, I'm excited to see what those changes are as we move into Masters Week next week. Reviewing last week, Scotty Scheffler and the Dell Technologies. Um, great event. I'm not a big fan of this event. I mentioned it on the podcast. Um, I think there's got to be a better format. To me, I I, w- I would love the one and done. It matches the March Madness ncaa basketball tournament I, and i get why they do the the group system and and you want to ensure that guys are going to be able to play wednesday thursday friday but they're really there's 15 20 guys that that by the time friday hits they're, they're not playing for anything right so what are you really you're you're guaranteeing them a wednesday thursday well what's the difference one and done I think the golf course speaks enough for itself. I think the city of Austin speaks enough for itself. I truly if you I think if you went to a one and done system, I don't think you would lose that many of the best players in the world. Because they're really truly only guaranteed you, you could be one and one and be almost done. Right? You lose your first two, you're out. Thursday you're you're effectively playing for nothing other than to get yourself ready for the for the upcoming major. At Augusta, so you know to say, "Oh, you want to guarantee him three matches?" Well, it's not three matches; it's two, and two compared to one for for a WGC event. Come on, I think the big boys would show up no matter what. But uh, I want to talk about Scottie Scheffler? Great. Before we get there, great event by Corey Connors. To me, gave away the match to Kisner on on Saturday uh, Saturday morning. Or sorry, Sunday morning, uh, in the semifinal. You know, they're sitting in front of the all all square to the uh to the um the sixteenth green. And uh, you know, he, he had just lost fifteen to get back to all square and you know, two poor two poor pitch by Corey. Kisner misses the birdie putt to win the hole, and then he gives them seventeen and then tough to tough to win eighteen on on a short little quirky. Uh, par four. Tough hole uh, to, to really try to, to steal, especially, you know, Kisner's there at Greenside and two and, and hits a great shot to six feet. So I thought he he kind of gave the match away a little bit uh, on 16 and 17 there. But either way, to follow it up, beating uh, DJ in the afternoon, three and one. Great event for Corey Connors. Perfect timing after talking to Derek Ingram last week. So shout out to Derek. Congrats to those two for, uh, for a great finish. Getting themselves ready for for Augusta National. We talked to Derek about that. We know Corey's game suits well there. He'll be at the Valero this week, getting ready as well. So keep your eye on him there. But Scotty Scheffler, um, this is his third win now on the PGA Tour here, uh, in in the in the last little bit. Number one player in the world changes the putter at at Phoenix and goes goes berserkle, right? Third win since Phoenix and the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, what the Ryder Cup did for his confidence uh, and what these wins are going to do for his confidence, it's its its major time now for Scotty Scheffler. It's can he now capitalize and get a major now in 2022 and then sky's the limit in terms of what it is moving forward. But, but well done. Great win there for, for Scheffler. To the Valero Texas Open. We talked about how big an event it was for the ladies at the Chevron. A big one here for for the Texas Open. This is not many people realize it, but this is a huge event for the PGA Tour. Hundredth anniversary here for uh, for the Valero Open. There's really only four tournaments that have a longer lifespan um, or history than the Valero Texas Open, and that's the Western Open, the the Canadian Open, PGA Championship, and the U.S. Open, and then obviously the the Open Championship. If you include that a PGA Tour event. Um, so that's that's only five events. Four on North American soil. Um, so this is a historic event. They're at TPC San Antonio. Um, tough golf course, 76.6 rating, 145 on the slope. The 13th year that it, the Valero Open has been hosted at this venue, at TPC San Antonio. And uh, we've got six more of it. It's the fourth year of a 10-year contract for the PGA Tour. And uh and the and uh, TPC San Antonio. So the boys will be used to it and ready to go for it. And it's a prime prime spot. Week before Augusta. The setup is, is perfect for Augusta. That's why you get a good solid field every single year here. And um excited, excited for this event, excited for the lead up to the Masters, but on to our picks here for the Valero, and we'll start from the bottom now we hear. A couple shout outs, a couple long shots. We like Scotty Stallings and and, uh, Tommy Green or Charlie Green Glove, Charlie Hoffman. Um, Listen, Stallings was T16 at the Valero, starting to play well. Good win player. So I think uh, both those names are names to look out for. But we went with uh, kind of the get right event. Uh, You know, the get right theme was our thought here this week. And we're going to give you a few names and we'll start off. Listen, T-18, he was T-11. T-19, T-36, this event was canceled in 20 and comes back in 2021 with a T-30. So he can he makes the cut, plays well here. He can play in the wind. It's the big Scotsman. He needs to get right. His form hasn't been sharp. Not like any of these guys that we're going to give you. Like we said, it's the get right event. The only one that uh, there's one guy that's showing real good form that we'll give you. But uh, that's Martin Laird. And that is 100 to 100-1 on those odds uh, for the victory and uh top five each way would be a pretty good payment as well. Our rock solid picks. We've got two of them for you. Another get right event at uh, 60 to one 2018. He didn't play, but 19 and 21, he finished T 17 back to back years. He needs a big event. He needs to keep the ball rolling here in, uh, in 2022 to, uh, you know, keep some of his statuses into these larger events out on the PGA Tour, and that's Ricky Fowler, sixty to one. We'll take Rick, Ricky Fowler to get right here. And then the only guy really showing form that we've uh, we've given you here out of all the names is uh, fifty-five to one. Didn't play here last year, but in in nineteen he was sixth out, uh, outright, and in eighteen he was T eighth. He's shown some real good form after missing the cut at the API. T22 at the players had one one kind of bad, not even round, just bad nine. Um, and then T7 last week at Valspar, or two weeks ago at Valspar. And that is 55 to 1. Kevin Streelman. Kevin Streelman. And then our big gun of the week. We stayed away from some of the big, big guns. We're still giving you value here 35 to 1. Listen, 2018 he was T45, 2019 T4, and 2021 he was T21. So he's shown some good form here. Se Woo Kim. We're taking Se Woo Kim, Ricky Fowler, Kevin Streelman, Martin Laird as our picks. And watch out for Scotty St- Stallings and Charlie Green Glove Hoffman as our picks. Folks, that's our recap on the world of golf. Hope you enjoy the Chevron Championship Thanks again to Beth Bethann Nichols for joining us. Check out next week. Join us for sure for our Masters preview. We've got a couple big guests coming on. One, Ewan Porter, live from Australia, that's going to be joining us to help preview the Masters as well. Make sure you're following us along. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Ginger Triple G. On the YouTube, share, like, subscribe, do it all. Might not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to me to share the Triple G family. When we get back from break, we're going to get into short and sweet in the NFL, a couple announcements, rules, changes, owners' meetings, signings, and we'll get you out of here, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey. Hey. Hey.
1: Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really worry tonight. like oh, yeah. Here comes the. Here comes the I love this Triple G podcast where real-life sports and you
0: Alright, hope you enjoyed a little break there from the Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron, and Golf Podcast. Big time in the world of golf, but uh, we still got a little bit kicking here in the world of the NFL. And in a couple weeks, uh, locked down a huge draft guest, uh, Joe Marino from the Draft Net- Network and the Locked On Buffalo Bills podcast. Um, he scouts draft um, candidates and draft prospects for the Draft Network. It's what he does full time. Um, he is going to be joining us to help break down the 2022 draft. We're going to take a, take a look at the first round, potential trades, draft prospects, um, and what he, who he feels is going to be able to go in the top ten in the first round, and who he likes for uh, specific teams and fits, and we'll dive deep into the draft um, in two weeks from now after our Masters preview next week. So that'll be the week of April tenth to the uh, the thirteenth. That podcast will uh, will come out. So that's Joe Marino from the Locked On Draft Network. Or sorry, from the Draft Network and Locked on Bill's podcast. So excited to, uh, to have him join us in a couple weeks here after our big Masters preview show. But let's get into it. Um, quietly, uh, still a fair amount. Um, and the NFL continues to nab the, uh, the sports headlines. And where do we want to start? Well, we'll start with probably the biggest announcement. Uh, not for me, but for NFL fans. And that is the overtime rule change. The NFL has um, announced that the NFL overtime rule for the postseason will be changed, and each team will have uh, will get a possession, and uh, so they will. Each team will have an opportunity. um, If the first team scores a touchdown, the second team will have an opportunity to score that uh, to match that touchdown. After that, then it will go specifically to a sudden death um, format. So here's my thoughts. Uh, Has it solved the fairness issue? No, not at all. Um, Has it solved the problem of NFL fans wanting Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes to be able to possess the football one more time in a game? Yes. Um, But to me, it hasn't solved the fairness issue. Uh, There's still a team with a decided advantage. I think that the team that, that wins the coin toss and has that first possession has the advantage because, um, one, they have the opportunity to score, put the pressure on the second team that possesses the ball. If that second team possesses the ball, then and what I think is going to happen, if they match that touchdown, knowing that now when that ball goes back to, the first team, or team, let's say team A, they have an opportunity to go for the field goal drive to win the game outright. You may see team B, the team that lost the toss, that possessed the ball secondly, go for two a lot more. Knowing that it's a a 48% conversion rate, it's a 50-50 coin flip, as compared to how many times does that team Right now, who's got the ball first in in that overtime possession? Not only they win the game eleven out of the twelve times that we've seen overtime in the playoffs since this the original rule change, I believe in two thousand twelve. But seven out of those twelve times they do it on the first drive, so that's over fifty percent. And now that's on a touchdown drive. You're not even talking about a field goal. So that's seven out of those twelve, and that's on a touchdown. You you say a field goal? How many of those drives would have been? successful on a field goal nine 10 out of the 12 so to me that team you win the toss you're gonna take the ball because you're you're gonna if you don't score you know exactly where you stand if you do score you know exactly where you stand we got to get a stop we win the game we don't get a stop okay they got an opportunity they got an opportunity to go for two we got a chance to win the game again if we stop them again. If they decide to kick the extra point like we did, so now both teams have scored a touchdown with the extra point. Now, all we need for a third time, we know where we stand. All we got to do is get the field goal and we win the game. So, in terms of fairness, they haven't solved anything. Is there, I'm a solutions guy. I I say it all the time. I don't want to hear what's wrong. I want to hear what's wrong, but tell me how to fix it. I don't know how to fix the fairness issue, and I don't. Th- I don't think the NFL knows how to fix the fairness issue, and I don't think they want to fix the fairness issue. All I think they wanted to do here was for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen to be able to possess the ball one more time, and for them to be able to run through another batch of commercials, one more time. To to pay the bills, and I think they did. I think they did that. Um, I think. It's gonna be. It could be a while before we see it, right? It's postseason only. Would I've liked to have seen this in in the regular season? Yes, I would have. I would have, because I don't like the NFL rules with the ten minute, ten minute clock. Um, it, teams go on a long drive, they kick the field goal, and then and then the second team only has two or three minutes to to answer that, and then the game's over. I get it in in the playoffs. It's not like that. It's like a game, right? So, for instance, if, if Team A wins a toss, they possess the ball, they go on an eight-minute drive, they score a touchdown. Okay, Team B, second team gets the ball. They don't. They, it's not like they only have two minutes to to go score a touchdown. If they still possess the ball, it's going to go to double overtime. There will be another quarter there. So that's something that not a lot of people have seen. Uh, in terms of a safety on that first possession, if you possess the ball first and the team against you gets the safety, that game is over as well. So that's a little uh, little tweak in there as well. So a couple a couple new rules changes. To me, they didn't solve a fairness issue. All they solved was having their star quarterbacks being able to possess the ball, not up against the clock uh, for another time in overtime to potentially, finger quotes, match what the first team did. But um I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. To me, a little bit knee-jerk, not solving the the overall issue, but, hey, um, it's a start. It's a start for the NFL, and, and things come in baby steps. Second kind of big set of news out of the um, league owner meetings this week was uh, the Buffalo Bills announcing uh, a new stadium, $1.4 billion, 200 from the NFL, uh, which is effectively $150 million of free dollars to the Pagoulas from the NFL. They got to pay uh, fifty million back. The rest can be forgiven, um, which I imagine it will be, considering the Pagulas will are putting up a, a pretty hefty chunk, three hundred fifty million of their own, and any overages will go to the Pagulas. But uh, a record high, and I know the people of New York State and specifically Erie County are not particularly happy about this. But eight hundred fifty million dollars in public money uh, for this stadium sixty to sixty two thousand seats it's a thirty year lease and uh, it will keep the Buffalo bills in Buffalo for the foreseeable future and for the rest of my adult life and it's that means as a bills fan I don't want to make this too bills centric here because this is a football podcast and we we do talk across about the NFL but uh this one was nice to see to support the team. Um, For those that know me well, I've been a season was a season ticket holder from 2007 to 2014, and again from 2016 till 2019 until COVID pretty much hit. And every year, kind of take a a look back in and and see if it's something that that's possible. And to to go down to uh, Ralph Wilson, Highmark Stadium, whatever you want to call it. it it's it's near and dear to my heart but but that stadium it it was time to move on and it was time to go um it was crumbling at its core uh the concrete was was crumbling it was it was getting it was getting bad so nice to see that that not only you know you hear these things about Austin Texas and and the bills are going to move to Austin and it, it, to me it squashes that puts an end to it Buffalo is in Western New York for the next thirty years. It's good for the Bills. It's good for the league, and uh, near near and dear to my heart. And I I was happy, quite happy to see that, knowing that the Bills will will be in Buffalo to stay for the foreseeable future. But excited to to see what the stadium is going to look like. Uh, Populous is the company that will be doing the uh, building of the stadium across the street from the from the current venue. So we'll stay in Orchard Park, and they built a bunch of the. Uh, European um, or the English Premier League uh, soccer stadiums, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so in some of the renderings and some of the talks that you're hearing, um, 80% of it's going to be covered, 60 to two, 60 to, 60 to 62,000 seats with a 5,000 seat uh, or standing room only party concourse deck, if you will, and going to provide similar amenities to uh, Vegas and Minnesota in terms of amenities and concourse sizing. So, uh, that I was really excited about. I was at, uh, Minnesota as, as most of you know, in December, and that was an absolutely stunning, beautiful stadium inside. The concourses were massive and, uh, totally different than, than Highmark stadium, state of the art first class. So it'll be real nice to get down there and, and, um, Excited to hear what some of these PSL, PSL pricings will be for this new stadium, for the Bill stadium. Um, something that I'm definitely uh, interested in. And a little nugget kind of floated out there today that uh, the mayor of Nashville and, uh, of Te- and I think the governor of Tennessee is proposing $500 million for a new stadium for the Tennessee Titans. So... Something to keep an eye on there and keep track of. Um, Nissan Stadium, not not new, but uh, definitely not old, not uh, like Highmark Stadium. So, interesting to see if, if they get uh, get the funding on that and where where their thoughts are on where they want to put it, if it's going to be a renovation, or what their thoughts are. So, so something to keep an eye on there. On to some of the league news. One to start off with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And their extension, three-year extension of John Harbaugh, and their lack of extension with Lamar Jackson. Here's my thoughts: If I'm the Baltimore Ravens, and I, and uh, I I don't believe Lamar Jackson wants to uh, go elsewhere. Where, where's where are you gonna go after you after? To me, if he sits there and sees what has happened this offseason with the seismic quarterback carousel and shift that we've seen in this league where where do you want to go where is there to go not many places that can win you you can go get paid somewhere no problem right you can go get paid in seattle you can go get paid in houston you can go get paid in carolina but are those franchises ready to win in the next two or three or four years this is the sweet spot for Lamar Jackson. Can he win in the AFC? It's probably his biggest challenge. So, if you are going to move, the NFC might be a thought. But I, I, don't think I truly don't think he is. I think he's. I think it's a match made in heaven with Harbaugh and Jackson. I think they really do connect and get along quite nicely. And I think if you're, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, I think you want to match that. Harbaugh deal to Lamar Jackson. Maybe extend it one more year. Listen, he's he's Harbaugh's good through 2025. That, that would be a three-year extension on the current rookie deal of Lamar Jackson. So it would be a shorter extension from what we've seen from the likes of the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes and even Deshaun Watson. But to me that's the without the guarantee the Deshaun Watson deal is the, is the framework for the Lamar Jackson deal. We don't know if this guy is good enough to win especially in a stacked AFC quarterback race. So let's commit to him with similar to our coach. To me if I'm the Baltimore Ravens I'm offering Lamar Jackson 4 years at 180 million dollars. You want to make it guaranteed, sure, go ahead. On a four-year contract, you want to guarantee the first two years and and, and backload the contract a little bit, go ahead and do that too. But to me, that way in 2025, 2026, if things aren't going the way you like, if you're the Bashadi family, you can get off of your head coach and your star quarterback and you're not committed too far deep down the road right? Gives you one more year, to me, a four-year extension. That means you've got Lamar under contract for the next five years. Put an out in the extension after two years. That way, your commitment now is only the next three years with him as your quarterback. You've got three years with John Harbaugh as your head coach. Matches up nicely. To me, that's the game plan if I'm the Baltimore Ravens. Beyond that, I think you're risking a whole lot. And I just don't see Lamar Jackson getting that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type deal yet. To me, he hasn't shown it. Hasn't shown that he can get to that next level. Has he won an MVP? Yes. Has he played at that level? Yes. Has it been a couple years? Yes. Has he won playoff games? No. So I think there's still a little bit more there to be seen for the Baltimore Ravens, for the rest of the league, and Lamar Jackson, but uh, just my thoughts. Continuing on that QB carousel, we might as well keep going to close off this episode. We'll start off with Carson Wentz and Jim Ursay what a shit show! Jim say up to his old tricks again, um, practically saying that it was a mistake for Carson Wentz. And and to me, a historic franchise like the Indianapolis Colts have really started to open themselves up to, to criticism here over the last few years with the re- revolving door at quarterback, with how things have been handled um, inside the, the building, outside of the building for your owner to come out and, and bash Carson Wentz and, and say it was a mistake and to have to watch his play fall apart over the course of the year. and Whether it's true or not, you just can't say those things. And it's just done in, in, in to me, really bad, bad, bad taste. Uh, closing out, Jimmy G, that saga continues on. Um, real interested to see what happens there. Uh like I said on last week's podcast, don't be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo enters camp with the San Francisco 49ers in the quarterback room. To me, it tells you that they still want to give him more time to Trey Lance. They're not sure. And there wasn't a dance partner available. Andy Dalton signs a one-year $6 million contract to back up Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Once again, we see the disconnect. Uh... And I, I'm going to give him a pass on this one in terms of Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, uh, Taysom Hill. That th- This could be a disconnect in terms of Dennis Allen to Sean Payton. Right? You're paying $40 million for for a guy. Um, pretty much you're paying him as a top seven tight end who has barely even played tight end. And that's why Dennis Allen comes out and says, you know what, he, we're going to focus at, at tight end. Because when you went and signed those two quarterbacks, you know Taysom Hill ain't getting too much reps at that point in time. But uh, just perfect example why the Saints find themselves found themselves in cap jail. And they, they houdini out of it. And they did a good job. But they've just got their head above water now. Right? You know, you talk about the cap and it being a myth. Uh, Teron, Teron Armstead walked out the door. Michael Thomas ain't under contract for too much longer, and we haven't seen an extension yet from him. I know there's been issues there, but um, still a lot of work to do, but just a, a real disconnect in terms of what's happening down there in New Orleans. Hopefully Dennis Allen can get it back under wraps here. Mickey Loomis as well, and they can really start to build this roster back up. To uh, it, it, It's got a chance to, to contend for a playoff spot, but it's still a little bit away for sure. Cam Newton. Um Some rumors out there that he is available. Teams are interested. Uh, Don't know why. Don't know why they'd be interested in Cam Newton. I don't know if it's uh, Cam's agent releasing this information out, trying to drive up Cam's market again, but um, there's not too many positions available out there. And with guys like uh, Baker Mayfield still available, and the Browns are going to have to eat some of his salary. It'll be real interesting to see he's to me Baker's the next domino to fall in the final kind of spots for for starting quarterbacks. you know does Houston move off Davis Mills and and bring in a Baker uh, to potentially start there. What happens in Carolina with Sam darnold? Do, do they bring there? but the first thing is is that the Browns going to have to eat some of that 18 million dollar salary for a team to, to bring on Baker from what we're hearing? Because of the Deshaun Watson front, and uh, we heard from Roger Goodell that that um, he their suspension is still possible and discipline is still possible, even though he hasn't criminally been charged or indicted for any of the offenses for the twenty two uh, victims, female victims of these uh, this massage, massage parlor shenanigans or uh, massage therapist shenanigans uh, of Deshaun Watson, but. To me, uh, with two young girls, and you—you you heard how excited I got about the Chevron Championship and the LPGA Tour. And there's a reason, because I have two young girls and, and everything. And and to me, I—you know—I I stayed away from it on last week's podcast, but I can come back again this week. And and I'll end it off with this: shame on you, Browns, to to give this man. 230 million dollars guaranteed there's no way no chance in hell that 22 victims are all lying or not telling the truth and and Dutch and I have been on this podcast before and we've talked about uh, sexual assault and sexual abuse victims and, and I have said some things that that I've learned and I've probably regretted. And when I go back and li- listen to those podcasts, I wasn't particularly proud of maybe the way I worded it or what I said. And but some of what I said was was rooted in truth. And there there are people out there that 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 do look for paydays. But that's that's not the point here. The point here is is that. 40 massage therapists, which is unheard of, 22 victims, and for the Browns to trot out there and and Deshaun Watson to pretty much call them all liars and for the Browns to condone this, for the Browns, I don't care what amount of research you did, you're making this man the, the face of your franchise with 22 civil suits still pending. Just freshly coming off of of being charged for all of this as well I just I just totally just I can't fathom the Cleveland Browns and and what they've done here and to not only go ahead and sign him to sign him is one thing but to make him the face of your franchise and give him guaranteed dollars and then to trot him out on a Friday afternoon press conference and have that and not have answers prepared for some of the questions that you've received. I we all knew it was gonna be a shit show right from the start, and it was a very gonna be a very, very tough press conference. And the time had to come where they had to stand up. And it's not done yet, because they didn't answer a lot of the questions. But to me, the Cleveland Browns, your ginger's garbage for what you did to Deshaun Watson, to the to the fans of the Cleveland Browns, to other sexual assault victims that now have to relive this, to to both sexual assault victims and fans of the Cleveland Browns. I know that there's close colleagues and friends of mine that, that don't cheer for that. are searching for another team now. And I don't blame them because I think the Cleveland Browns failed not only their fan base, but they have also failed the NFL and what they did and, and, uh, not particularly happy to me. They are gingers garbage to close off the week. Folks never want to end on a bad note, but, uh, just had to get that off of my chest to close it out here on season three, episode eleven on Triple G Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Lots of good info in there. Lots of good stuff. Join us next week for our Masters preview. We got a great guest list coming up as we always do on Triple G. Make sure you're following us along on all the social media fronts. If you don't know where they are, then you haven't been. Li- you've been living under a rock because uh, that's for sure. But check us out on all those ones. Like, shot, scri- subscribe, share, do whatever you can. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Hope you enjoyed it this week, and we'll catch you next week. Time to throw out the trash. Welcome to Ginger's Garbage.
1: No, no, no.